Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Match Ball. Hello there, welcome to the show, which is brought to you by Levi Solicitors, 10% off at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello. And I'm joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White's here as well, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Today we go to Carrow Road on the 30th anniversary of our visit to play Norwich City, but not before we do a little re-rewind and deal with Barnsley. I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be in early January than bloody Barnsley, and Wilco didn't want to be there either, did he, in the FA Cup? This is why we got promoted to get away from... This team in particular, who did the double over us last season, our promotion season, the only team to to do it and nearly derailed the whole thing at Ellen Road when uh, Mervyn Day came out like a fucking Mary, to use Howard Wilkinson's term. And yeah, he couldn't really be bothered going back there in the the uh, the FA Cup, the worst possible draw away from home against a team that's doing well in a lower division and a local rival as well. And, and it had so much going against it. This match, it was horrible. And a bit of post-traumatic stress disorder as well from the previous Barnsley defeat of the, the season before when it all felt like it had gone wrong. And David Batty's uh, bad memory in particular of going to Oak- Oakwell for our 1-0 defeat. But he forgot his boots. Ended up wearing Gary Speed's boots, which were a size too big for him. Well, what the hell did Gary Speed do? Did he wear his socks? I mean, David Batty had quite a, a, a random old 1989 90. You can kind of understand when you hear these stories in retrospect why Wilkinson went and got Chris Kamara in for the, the run-in because we had him for getting his boots for Barnsley away, you had him giving away a penalty on purpose against Stoke just to piss his dad off because his dad was annoying him in the stands telling him to try harder so he kicked somebody. And then um, walking off the pitch at Molyneux because he needed a shit. <laughs> so he was- Wait, We've all been there. We've all been there, haven't we, David? And let's quickly run through the teams then for this um, this away game at Barnsley. Well, the Leeds team anyway. I have no desire to run through the Barnsley team. Kez, Kez, Kez. Dickie Bird. Kez, yeah. <laughs> All that sort of stuff. For Leeds, John Lukic, Mel Sterling, Glyn Snodding, Chris Fairclough, John McClelland, Strack, Mac, Speedo, Batty, Shot, and Chapman with Sir Michael Whitlow and John Pearson on the bench. So basically, a full-strength side. Apart from Chris White being suspended. So McClelland, 35-year-old John McClelland comes in and um, Barnsley have had three wins and a draw before this this game. And they're, they're talking about Mel Machens, their manager, says, no team, no team can relish coming to Oakwell just now. There will be a big crowd and a great, a great atmosphere. It's a fantastic draw. Something special. Oh, I mean, it that's, was. that's a good accent, that Mel Machen. 22,500 there, by the way. I mean, it didn't look special. <laughs> Wilco didn't want to be there. We didn't want to be there. What an awful game as well. Muddy pitch, gale force wind. There's um, on the, the limited footage available, you do see John Lukic, who has a good strong kick. We play in the first half with the sun in our eyes, or in Wilk, uh, Lukic's eyes in particular, and kicking against the wind and he can't get the ball over halfway, which I think tells you a lot about what sort of match it was. I can't 
envisage, and it must have happened, I can't envisage John Lukic in a baseball cap. I think it's because his hair is so much part of him. His, his hair resembles a baseball cap. Maybe it's fringe. Always oh, just dealt with the dealt with the sun and the shade, but obviously not at Ibrox in a couple of years. But um, yeah, Lukic was actually brilliant in this match, keeping us in it against uh, our lively. What do we call them? We're not cousins. Relations. <laughs> what is our relationship to fucking well, Barnsley? They used to be in the West Riding. The historic West Riding incorporated Barnsley. Did it? It did. Yeah. The West. There was no such thing as South Yorkshire. There was three. There was. Oh, the, that's right. Yeah. yeah the, fair enough. The West, um, the East, and the North. That's all they had. They had no South Riding. That was not a thing. But we saw it through. We were getting there. Um, McAllister at the post. In the second half, we got better because we had the wind behind us. And then a Glyn Snodden in swinging corner headed in by Mel Sterland yet again with only eight minutes to go. And you'd think that's probably that. However, Barnsley cheated. Doesn't come as a surprise. What did they do? The base player of Queen handballed it. It's the man, isn't it? That's John Deacon. John Dean. No. Another one for the kids there. A handball kind of undersells it. And not for the first time are they punching the ball around, the cheating volleyballing bastards. It's a good finish. Give him credit for the finish. In fairness, the only reason he got that finish is because the pitch is so bloody heavy that the ball just stopped dead when it <laughs> came off the, whatever it is. That, what's the volleyball move? Is it a spike? It was practically spiked. It didn't I think it? a spike is, is it up in the air? This is, it one bump, is, is, it kind of... is it a bump or a spike? Whatever, I don't care. He cheated. It basically jumped in the air as the ball is going into our penalty area and the Barnsley player has with both hands, sort of punched the ball down volleyball style so that John he and Dean can volley it in, which isn't fair. Even but- on the incredibly low-resolution footage, it is clear it's handball. Yeah. There's, there's really no excuse for this not to have been spotted. For the, sec- for the, Andy for the second, Savile was the player who punched second, it down. Second time in the game, though, Andy Rammel in the, in the first half punched it in. I mean, and again, you talk about low-res footage. Quite clearly, that's his hand. And that did get ruled out. But I think one of the big things about this was that the, the referee is George Courtney, who is oh. England's official at the World Cups. So he's, he's he, was a bast- he was a bastard. The best referee. And he's um, he's asked after the game what it was all about. And he says, there, w- there was no handball, in my opinion. Which um, Mel Sterling puts the other view, that, to be honest, to be honest, the lad almost caught the ball. I, I just could not believe it. But the ref said he didn't see it. George Courtney, he was never liked at Ellen Road, George Courtney. Well, we'll come to the uh, the replay in a moment, but the, the other side of this was that the, the newspapers didn't like the way that the Leeds fans reacted to George Courtney. He was booed off and uh, booing a referee. It's not, that's not the dumb thing. Was this, was this the on. first time it had ever happened? <laughs> I believe so. For the first time since Leeds fans attacked the referee in 1972, Ray Tinkler. Which was also deserved. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mob rule was the headline, but... Um, and we're right behind it. Mel Machin, uh, who was talking Barnsley up before the game in the first place... Um, what did he say? Leeds couldn't have complained if we'd won bit three or four. Uh, so we can forget about the handball. And the really, the, the replay was only a, a few days later and that it all kind of ramps up for this because it's a weird quirk of the FA Cup at this time that you keep the same referee for the replay. So it's George Courtney again. And Barnsley do even more talking in the press and Strachan said this um, after the game but it's worth mentioning it beforehand that uh, some of the comments from the Barnsley fans he said Leeds felt that we're getting a little bit too big for the boots and um, when the match kicked off in a, a wind damaged Elland Road did like the detail that they'd um, from the weekend they'd had time to repair the Lowfields roof but not the northeast corner so they weren't selling tickets for the northeast corner but if you already had a ticket to go in there 
Fine. Fine. <laughs> Take your seats. Not a problem. I think this, is, this is before they discovered all the asbestos as well. I was going to say, I think it's fine. If you bought a ticket when it was safe, I think it remains safe. That's the way it works, isn't it, with falling debris? But the way leads go for Barnsley right from the start, you can see they've had it fucking enough of them. Yeah, absolutely fair point. They're, they're not into that trash talking, are they? That's a purposeful performance. The first five minutes, I mean, six minutes were 2, two nil up, and it's come from two corners, essentially, that leads in the first minute of a game for the first one, you think, oh, the ball goes out of play, a Barnsley player boots it out, they mis- misplace the, the back pass by about 25 yards. Anything okay, right? Everybody lumber up. Leeds are all sprinting into the penalty area, Snowden and Strachan are running to the corner with the ball. It's mad is that, that, that corner at the start, you'd think it was the last minute and we were losing. Yeah, that's how much we were, we'd had enough of Barnsley. And it's a great finish from, um, from Barnsley, which helps. <laughs> Marky Smith, having John Deacon scored in the first game. And uh, it does that pleasing thing where it kind of goes into the roof of the net by the stanchion in the corner, but then comes back out again. And no one's quite sure what's happened, but it's definitely a goal. And obviously these days, VAR goal line technology would take care of it unless it was, um, you know, trying to keep Aston Villa in the Premier League or whatever. Yeah, the corner goes to the back post and then it, it's sort of flicked on by their five foot nine goalkeeper. He looks so much like a Sunday League goalkeeper, goalkeeper in the footage of this. I can't stress it enough because he looks very obviously too small and he's slightly balding and a bit out of shape. And it does look like... Well, he's got no number one on his back either. He's just got a generic green shirt on. I think he had a one and it's faded off. Right. That's how, how <laughs> that, um, the, the chip shop this whole operation was. <laughs> but it, it's a great Sunday League uh, the po- occasion at the, the back post as well. The poverty in Barnsley. Because <laughs> the... Um, after he's sort of flicked the corner on, it goes to the back post and Mark Smith comes in and he's he's trying to head it over the bar, but as he would get in a non-league, he heads it about three yards under it into the roof of the net off his mate's head. There's an enjoyable amount of needle in this game. You can detect it throughout the game in the way that there's that edge, there's that bitchiness, and you see it in the second goal as well when, uh, when Chappie scores after six minutes that he goes straight for Carl Tyler afterwards, the centre-half for Barnsley. And a classic Chapman goal. I don't feel nodding it into an almost empty net at the back post. From a yard. From a yard out gets any more Chapman. It's just a very, I don't know, it's the most It's the most Lee Chapman goal we might have seen this season. But the build-up to it is similar to the first. Carl Schutz um, got the ball on the left wing and it goes out for a corner and he immediately just gets the ball, runs to the corner flag and passes it to the nearest Leeds player and then they pass it, I think, to Strachan inside the penalty area and we're off before Barnsley have even know what's, um, what's happening. So we're five minutes in taking a quick corner. It goes back to short and it's a great cross. Takes out their tiny keeper. And yeah, Chapman after heading it in. Carl Tyler, who is their Barnsley's young million pound rated defender being linked with moves to big clubs that had, had things to say in the press about how, you know, Chapman wasn't going to give him any problems. And it's funny, Chapman sometimes, although he's great going straight to where the ball was, orientating himself sometimes in other situations, difficult. And he kind of, it was a full 360 in the penalty area looking for Carl <laughs> Tyler. Where, where is he? Where the fuck is he? And he walks over with his finger, wagging it in his face. That classic uh, oil tanker turning circle. It's brilliant. But it does show, I mean, this, we've talked um, in the last few games before the Liverpool one about Leeds and how they start games and they want to be 2 nil up and 3 nil up as quickly as possible. I've never seen them start a game as aggressively as this. As soon as we're tuning up, McAllister goes close. We're, it's straight back on the attack, looking for 3-0. It's completely exhilarating. Chapman should score again as well with a very similar chance where he, you can't believe he's missed it, really, can you? When it goes, there's another one that's just dropped onto his head at the back post. A slightly harder chance, a bit further out, a few more players in the way, but still, I think, nine times out of ten, when, he'd score that. When you see that angle from behind the goal uh, and you're going, bloody hell, Chapman, all you need to do is just nod it into that 
space that you've done a thousand times. But you're absolutely right. I think what's interesting with this Moscow is this the clear evolution from when we played Barnsley pre-promotion, um, which is obviously only what April prior yeah, to this, something only, like that. Yeah, nine months. How we we choked under the lights, at Ellen Road, and that that dark blue satanic kit, and it just all felt wrong that night. On this night, they're in red. They're not in the dark blue satanic kit, and we absolutely swept them away. That just the, the purpose with which, like, like we see Batty and McAllister. The rain absolutely lashing down. They're not bothered. They're into this. And John McClelland is not in the mood to let anyone score. Was this a foul? I, I mean, I can't make my mind up on this. Obviously, the footage is standard definition, you know, 1991 era um, TV coverage. So it's not completely possible to tell. But I think with this, that as it's given as a as a free kick and John McClelland gets a yellow card because Andy Rammel's clean through on goal to all intents and purposes in the edge of the area kind of vibes and goes down under, is it a tackle or not? Because I thought, initially, I thought, bloody hell, that's got to be a red card. But actually, on second, third, fourth viewing, it looks like Rammel catches his own legs. We get embroiled after the first one where it was mob rule against George Courtney, and obviously he's, he's back again, our finest referee. We kind of involve ourselves in one of the big controversies of the, the season here because before the season started, um, as part of the efforts to jazz up football and make it more exciting before anything like a Premier League or a, a USA World Cup happens, and after everybody's happy about Italia 90, despite it being quite negative tournament in a lot of ways, professional fouls will now be punished with a red card. So if you're through on goal, and the classic one, um, if everyone's not familiar with the, the evolution of the professional foul, the 1980 FA Cup final when 17-year-old, or I think he was 17 or 16, Paul Allen for West Ham is through to score what would have been West Ham's second in the final <laughs> final minute. So cynical. So it's, it's purely just to... Uh, to kind of round off a win and he would he was the youngest player ever to play in a, an FA Cup final up to that point. He's through one goal, he's ready to shoot and um, Willie Young of Arsenal just comes and just takes his legs out. He's interviewed about it later and he said to him, you know, I didn't even kick him hard. I just kicked him hard enough to go down because I wasn't going to let him score. Keep us in the game, we still had the chance and um, and that, that again got topped off with the, because he's only a lad when he goes up to get his, um, his winner's medal, is sobbing um, from the depth of um, absolute despair because he's had a um, a Roy of the Rovers moment at Wembley stolen away from him and there's been uh, 35 players so far this season have been sent off for professional fouls so now defenders are basically saying whoa 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 you can't keep sending us off just for bringing down people when they're going to score <laughs> this is part of defending but that's been what's happening and so Barnsley absolutely furious that in this situation when Andy Rammel is cleaned through and he's about to shoot at John Lukic and John McClelland is there and Andy Rammel ends up on the floor, how come George Courtney has then only produced a yellow card? In Barnsley, I imagine this is still talked about by the Ronald Koeman on David Platt one. Did you see that when Rammel went through? Absolute disgrace. We'd have won it that night and FA Cup if we'd only got that decision with George Courtney, Ellen Road. And that John, whatever he was called, which um, they have Garth <laughs> Crooks on sports night discussing this with... Uh, Steve Baker, isn't it? And then, you know, watching it frame by frame, and Steve Baker says... Steve Ryder. Steve Ryder. If you're going to criticise yeah. a man for getting names wrong, <laughs> don't get his name wrong. I'm getting confused because Steve Baker was the education secretary at the time. <laughs> we used to have Baker days at school when it was a teacher training day. So he wasn't involved. Um, and I'm, yes, Garth Crooks, however, is, is highly confused, almost as confused as me because he's convinced the tackle is by Ian McKellen. Which it's not. There, there was no... Um, there was no acting involved apart from the dive from Andy Rammel. McClellan's uh, Gandalf. McClellan's justification or his, his reasoning. He said he was worried that he was going to be sent off just because of the way things were. But he also said that he didn't deliberately take him down. 
he said um, Rummel slowed down, um, broke stride, and he basically ran into the back of him. They collided. So Bat didn't try to foul him. And you can sort of see on the footage, McClellan, McClelland Gandalf, yeah, has got his uh, his arms outstretched as Andy Rummel's going as to if the, hold, holding the a, a staff, as if he's saying casting a spell. I haven't even touched him. And George Courtney uh, comes up with a. He, he didn't exactly help matters with his um, his uh, rationale because he said that he got a yellow card for ungentlemanly conduct as opposed to serious foul play. But under the rules, if it was ungentlemanly conduct, it that means it wasn't a foul. So he's kind of he's given a foul, then booked him for something else. That it's, it wasn't. It's a, it's a standard cop out because he didn't want to send him off. That, he, it's about the size of it. He does stand up to um, Barnsley though. Barnsley's defence are absolutely. Whinging on about hey, this. Well, livid we are. Oh, a bloody right upset. In uh, Mel Machen in his flat cap. And, he is um, as well, yeah. George Courtney ends up going over to the dugout and kind of crouching on the uh, the edge of it while they're sitting down and pointing at them all. And you can kind of you can just about hear him saying, "Look, any more of this, and you'll be out the game." Oh, and, and George Courtney, he, he was a schoolmaster, wasn't he? He was a teacher, so and you can see that kind of finger wagging, telling off a naughty boy. It helps. Um, Leeds are kind of although they're in control because they got those two early goals. Barnsley have. You know, they've established themselves in the game. They've, they've not been blown away. And it, it does kind of lift the atmosphere a little bit. You can hear the um, the Barnsley fans booing as loudly as they possibly can. And the Leeds fans with the Barnsley wank, 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 which um, you don't hear as much as Manchester wank, wank, wank. But it's um, it's good to hear. It doesn't really scan, does it, Barnsley? It, yeah. Barnsley, wank, wank, wank. Mm. Barnsley, wank, wank, wank. You know, you, you do whatever you can. And another wizard comes on. Hey, wizard, Gandalf. Uh, Mike Whitlow is on and is the obvious catalyst for getting this game finished and put to bed so we can play Arsenal in the fourth round. Yeah, it stays 2-0 until the last 10 minutes and then, yeah, Whitlow and John Pearson both come on and we get another couple of goals. Third one is in the 84th minute. I mean, what a ball from Batty. This is that, that reverse, uh, kind of reverse pass into the channel and Snodding slides to keep it in play. Chaos ensues, doesn't it? And then McAllister just slots it in from close range on his left-hand side, maybe about, what, six, seven yards out, something like that. Very nice. Good finish. And then Batty's nearly in there for the uh, the second one. Two minutes later, from a corner, it's um, the corner. The corner. We saw it. I think it was Everton that they attempted this, where it's uh, Strachan takes a short corner to McAllister and he tries to backheel it to Strachan. And again, it's not quite come off. It deflects off a Barnsley player, but Strachan gets it anyway. And um, into the same place where Snodden kept the ball in, put the ball into the, the penalty area. And it's um, this time, it's a, it's a Snodden shot that gets cleared off lane. Comes to Batty. <sighs> So close. He shoots, saved. It's a really good save. And then um Batty's then got the ball back at his feet and runs into the penalty area and um, he's sort of going he's, he's almost going towards the byline, isn't he? To, towards touch. He's not really in a dangerous position. He's being sort of shepherded out on the right hand side. He's being the, he's being pulled back. Foul serious foul play. Serious foul play, this one. Penalty. Which um The linesman gives this. Actually what you don't tend to see is um back in this area, you never saw a lot of penalties given by linesmen. They, they knew the place in those days, didn't they? They weren't assistants. They, yeah. were, there to, they were there to run the line, do offsides. Has the ball gone out? Are you onside at the end? Give throw-ins. I Don't think speak. This, is, uh, <laughs> this is one that probably only the linesman would spot because Batty, instead of uh, going down under the challenge, stands up and tries to knock the Barnsley player over instead. <laughs> and there's big chance for um, for David Batty to take this penalty. Batty, Batty. Didn't happen though, did it? Strachan, I love when he scores penalties like these. It's it's a short it's a short run up. Just puts it on the spot, stands up, kick, twats it dead hard, doesn't he? <laughs> you can tell the, the keeper, who admittedly at this point is um, probably looking forward to a pint because he's a, a proper non-leaguer. Probably got had a cig at half time, but um, yeah, he's one of those. I think he probably takes him slightly by surprise. But yeah. it's a nice 
It's a nice final fuck off to Barnsley. It's taken really well. The EPA does. He takes about one short step and then rifles it into the uh, to the bottom left hand corner, the keeper's bottom right. He did it against Leicester last season, and they weren't happy about it because they felt he was cheating. But he um and because on he was the only one against Leicester last year that had noticed the referee had blown his whistle, and before he would kind of and then he pretended to move the ball as if he was respotting it while looking at the referee, going, "I can take this, can't I?" And the referee's like, "Yeah." So he, he kind of um, moved the ball and then as he stood up without taking any step back, just put his foot through it and put it into the net. Um, this isn't quite as um, as tricksy as that one, but it is worth, like, it does just go back to what he said to him after the game that we quoted at the start, that Leeds just felt Barnsley getting a little bit too big for the boots and went at them in the first five minutes, took the piss for the rest of the game. See you, Barnsley. To Arsenal. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But before we get on to the next round of the FA Cup, we have the league to deal with and we have to deal with the league today at Carrow Road. And we want to get back to winning ways, having lost... 3-0 3-0 on New Year's Day to Liverpool at Anfield. Never mind pathetic little Barnsley in the FA Cup. It's time to sweep aside some canaries now. Never mind coal miners. Let's get a canary. Do you like that? Very good. Very Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well, should we go through this? Let's go through the team anyway. Um, Luke Kitchen goal. Sterling, Glyn Snodden. We've got the Chrises at the back. Uh, Fairclough and White. Strack at McAllister. Sir Michael Whitlow. Mm. And David Batty in this side with Carl Schutt and Lee Chapman up front with Gary Speed benched alongside John Pearson. So a change in the starting lineup. Yeah, and uh, Chris White's back in for uh, John McClelland after White was suspended for two. And um, yeah, Wilkinson said uh, before the game that we'd, we'd had a draw and a win in the Cup since the defeat at Liverpool. Now it's important for us to get a good league result at Norwich. And clearly integral to that is uh, bombing Gary Speed out the team and getting a, a proper left-sided midfielder in there like Michael Whitlow. Well, we saw Whitlow. He was on for what ten minutes against Barnsley, two goals. So we did we win this eighteen <laughs> nil. Well, let's go through the Norwich side before we do get to the game because this is possibly the most Norwich lineup you're ever likely to hear in your life. Uh, Brian Gunn in goal, then they've got a lineup of John Paulston, Ian Butterworth, Ian Culverhouse, Mark Bowen, Ian Crook, David Phillips, Tim Sherwood, Jeremy Goss, Robert Fleck, and Dale Gordon. I mean, a good seven of those players could all be the same person. I must admit, between Butterworth and Culverhouse and Crook. I've no idea. I, re- I vaguely remember the stickers. Although I would say that I, I feel like Tim Sherwood should be playing for Blackburn and Dale Gordon should be at Palace. 
Mm, it's missing a couple of um, crucial ones as well. There's no Rule Fox, who is uh, always associated with Norwich at all times. And also their boss, uh, Dave Stringer, has dropped the very Norwich striker, unless you prefer his Coventry work, Robert Rosario. But why? Why has he dropped him? His attitude problem. Stinks, doesn't it? Said he's not looked as sharp as he should, and I think it's time for him to go out of the side. So Robert Fleck, um, whose attitude after playing uh, for Norwich at Elland Road earlier in the season was that he wanted to play for Leeds as soon as possible, he starts. And as well as Rosario being out for his attitude, this also means there's five in um, Norwich's midfield, which... Four, out to four be a problem. five, one. That's not the very English way to do things, is it? And presumably that's the reason that Tim Sherwood is wearing number nine. Yep, and scoring, which is upsetting, especially when you um, look at his sticker from this, this season with his... Uh, He's got Todd Cantwell's hair, actually, there. Uh, there's something about that sticker that looks very 1950s. It's got a kind of an airbrushed cigarette card, half-colourised vibe to it. You'd never get away with that hair in the 1950s, though. It's he's brill creamed it, but not tight. It's um, that's it's, true. It's way too loose. It, it's on the it's on the verge, of, especially the sides, because the sides are long. So it's um, it's a long back and sides, um, <laughs> greased back, and uh, yeah, the um, it, la- it lacks a shoelace, a Cantwell style shoelace. He looks like an arrogant young man, and his fucking goal celebration is that of a arrogant young man as well. They beat us, and I didn't like it. We should have beaten them. They were rubbish. I mean, the opening goal, Jeremy Goss just running down the left and then passing into a, a very empty space. is a good finish by Sherwood across the goalkeeper from 25 yards, but the goal should have been ruled out for him running around afterwards. He's sort of swinging his arm around like a like he's swinging a bowling ball on a 360 degrees angle at the, at the shoulder like this and then points at people and starts running about. Yeah, dance as well. Puts on it? a gilet. Yeah, it's, I just don't like him. Should Lukic do better on this? I know you're saying it's a good hit, but he's not. He doesn't strike it that cleanly, and it's from a fair distance out. I don't know. It feels a bit like Lukic is wrong-footed by it to an extent because it goes back across him. And certainly the uh, the second goal in the the second half, it's Dale Gordon. But this is one Lukic comes for a, a cross and and then goes a away like, again. A bit like and... a fucking Mary, actually. If we're going to go back to the Barnsley, we may as well have just played Mervyn Day, and he gets caught um, absolutely nowhere. So Dale Gordon is essentially shooting into a an empty net once the ball stopped bouncing about. So I don't think... It's, it, Lukic may be distracted because um, to get around the kit clashes, he's wearing the blue version of the Hampton Umbro goalkeeper templates. Always usually would be wearing green, but he, uh, he cracked out the blue one for this one, which is a beautiful shirt, blue with um, yellow and grey panels on the sleeves. That was the one I always... I always liked that one, I think. It was, the, it was, the, it was a good alternative choice to the traditional green one, yeah. That's where you and Lukic differ. It, it's improvement on when we used to have the, the red version of it used to be the change one that I think uh, um, if Neil Edwards uh, used to wear that on the squad photographs but I don't think he ever wore it in the team yeah silver and purple was always my favourite Umbro, Umbro um, combination but it was uh, it was the lesser scene of the uh, of the keepers kits because well keepers wore green didn't they just actually speaking of the Norwich kit this is the early Asics era isn't it before they got their hands on us and their kit massive big fuck off Asics across the middle uh, to remind you that it was made by Asics, but no like manufacturer sponsor that's in evidence. It's it's just taken the place of the whole lot. It's like when we had Admiral Sportswear almost, but without that little logo. Should have gone with Moscow's preferred option for Reebok kits, which is to have Asics, Asics, Asics written all over it. Different logos. That's different. They, they did that at Bolton, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I used to love these kits, and I um, I think I got this one as a Sabutio team because I liked the Norwich kit so much, and then 
afterwards the first Premier League season, I think it was when they they replaced it with the kind of the the flecked one that Norwich fans now regard the as vomit classic. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got that as well. I wasn't as familiar with them with their players, and certainly it was before Jeremy Goss cracked in that um, volley in '94. But that's that's a long way ahead at the moment. We've got Leeds essentially playing well in this one, a little bit untidy at the back. Fairclough um, has to block a shot. Lukic goes running out of his goal to heads head something clear, and they end up shooting it. And Fairclough blocks it on the line. And we're, there's Sterling plays well, lots of crosses, but Chapman and shut up against Brian Gunn in Norwich's goal, who were uh, father of Angus Gunn, not Kinnear. He was their keeper forever, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, at this point, I think he's got kind of um, long swept back hair as well. The, I think these guys regarded themselves as the, the darlings of East Anglia. So we couldn't get past them. Strachan hits the post late on, but it's all a bit, all a bit difficult. And Norwich packing the midfield and playing five against us. Maybe that's how you stop Leeds's first choice midfield of mm. uh, Strachan, Batty, McAllister and Whitlow. You wonder whether we were looking a little bit tired because we'd obviously played midweek as well, the Barnsley game that we just did. And that was straight after Barnsley at the weekend and heavy pitches as well, like torrential rain through both of those matches. Well, torrential rain in the second one, it had finished before kickoff in the away match, but the pitch was fucked. It was just mud. It's to be hoped that Arsenal game doesn't go to a replay, isn't it? <laughs> well, at least we've got done that till the, like, the end of the month. The other main concern we have here is uh, is the bloody what's it back on the on the agenda, isn't it? We've got the uh, the League Cup before that because we've got the fifth round against Aston Villa at home midweek again before we then face Luton in the league. So these these fixtures starting to to pile up just a little bit. Yeah, and then very quickly after Luton in the league, it's Derby County in the Zenith Data Systems round three of the Northern area. So that's to deal with as well before we even get to um, playing Arsenal in the FA Cup, but um, Wilco's quite um, magnanimous about it. He says uh, that after losing a game, after a game like that, you just have to suck the lemon and get on with it when the next game comes along. Which was Villa. And so to the league table then, Arsenal pushing out in front on 50 points from their 22 games, with Liverpool just a point behind them, and then Palace on 45, us on 39. So we've got a six-point gap there just starting to open up, and uh, Manchester United draw level on points with those 39 as well, but then five points down to sixth with Spurs in sixth position. Just looking at some of the other results from uh, from this weekend, we got Villa and Liverpool nil-nil. Makes it uh, maybe tough for our Rumbleos Cup quarterfinal in midweek if Villa are in the kind of form that can hold Liverpool. Spurs and Arsenal, North London derby finishes nil-nil. Uh, Man United beat Sunderland 3-0. Another one of those renegade scores, though. Luton 3, Southampton 4. What a match that was. I could tell you anything about it, I would. Come on, you must know something. Go on, Google something quick. Two Rod Wallace goals. Either side of uh, two Matt Letizier goals, goals that I would predict um, were set up by Rod Wallace. No evidence of that. Alan Shearer on the pitch did nothing. So I think uh, if we're looking for a forward, maybe uh, maybe that Rodney Wallace is worth a look. His brother done all right, scum. Is Wilco fraud, do you reckon? Being found out in this league. Ah, busted flush and he's blown a gasket. Fourth should be top two at minimum. And he's tinkering as well. I mean, I'd hate to argue with him that uh, Whitlow is not a better option than Gary Speed in our midfield, but it does seem that going up against five in the Norwich midfield has uh, has somewhat restricted our ability to play our own football at Carrow Road. But plenty of comfort can be taken from the fact that we, we possibly didn't deserve to lose this one. But as Wilco said, you suck the lemon, you crack on, don't you? When life gives you lemons, suck them. <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> Always one for the soundbite. 
And so back to Ellen Road, where we'll hopefully get back to winning ways against Angus Kinnear's Luton Town on the 19th of January. We'll speak to you then. The Matchball. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.